Welcome back, my Mindset Explorers. Today's guest, I am absolutely thrilled to introduce to you. They epitomize perseverance, innovation, and an unwavering dedication to the world of healthcare. From her humble beginnings as a patient tech to now being the forefront of revolutionizing patient care on a national scale, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Anna Maria Douglas. Dr. Anna Maria Douglas is a concierge family medicine nurse practitioner, and her story is not just an inspiration, but also a testament to what's possible when passion meets purpose. Not only has she worked her way up the healthcare ladder, but she also has founded and now owns Hummingbird Health Florida. Through her enterprise, she's reaching people both in person and telemedically across the United States. So how exactly is she changing the dynamics of patient care? What drives her every day? What insights from her own journey can we glean to better our own mindsets? Well, stay tuned as we uncover these and more in today's captivating conversation. So excited to have you on the show. It's been a pleasure getting to know you previously to the show recording and everything that you're kind of doing in, you know, holistic life or basically just really helping people take care of their whole self, what I like to call the holistic life, um, and really getting people to take more care of their wellness versus just health care uh, and treating that whole person. So for that and what I've seen you do and what you're treating for your patients, I've just got to say it's, it's really exciting. So um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I always like to just get right into it. The, you know, people might not know the whole aspect of what you do and what you're offering your patients, you know, as a nurse practitioner and basically treating people uh, in a way of a concierge type medicine. But we'll get into that. I always like to table that because that's our adult self. But what I really like to kind of dig into a little bit more and a lot of my listeners have enjoyed hearing this uh, because again it's an aspect of self that's kind of lost along the way uh, is who were you as a kid right who was Anna on the playground um I was kind of a shy kid I mean and you can probably see this with the video and whatnot I'm not I'm not a showy kid I wasn't like the class clown or anything. I was the one that didn't talk much. And I was, I, I was, I don't know. I don't know where that came from because both my parents are Italian and talkative and loud and my whole family was that way. Um, but I don't know. I just, I wasn't that confident. I was shy, like I said, and I just, I really didn't socialize a whole lot. I had friends in the neighborhood, you know, mom was always sending me outside to play with my little brother. So I mean, you know, I guess you would call it a typical childhood, but uh, I don't know. It's nothing exciting to yeah. that way. Well, that's okay. There's not no need to have right exciting life right as a child, and then probably that's that's a good thing as well. So, with with that, I, I'm curious again. This is this is where my curiosity starts to stem off, and I start to run these rabbit holes, if you will. With that shyness, did you ever feel as if you were 
people were encouraging, especially as an Italian mom and dad, right? They're probably like, Anna, what up? Come on, like, get out there. Like, go make some friends or go people. Was any was that ever a process where people were trying to change who you were as a person of saying you need to be more outgoing? Or was that saying, hey, she is who she is? I mean, not not so much. I think my my biggest influence, though, in my life was definitely my dad. He's definitely the one that built my confidence and um he really showed me what kind of potential I had and he encouraged me to go for more, you know, go for broke, go for the best, um, become educated, be the first person to go to college in your family. And, and that's what I did. So I definitely um, took a lot of advice and a lot of what I am right now from my dad. Yeah. And what did he, what did he do for a living that kind of like inspired you to kind of do that? He, so he started out, he was in the army. Um, he got out of the army, he got into construction. He was just a, a good old construction worker, nothing crazy, but he, he worked his way up. He was a superintendent for a large medical facility, believe it or not. Um, so he worked his way up in the ranks. He was doing really well. And then he, came, he, he had cancer. And so that's a big part of why I do what I do now. I know that's kind of cliche, but um, that started a whole nother portion of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Did that happen for you later in life when that when you no, developed I was cancer? Ready to graduate from high school. Oh, I was wow. seven. Um and it was quick. So it was a big, big life changing experience for me. And just seeing what he went through, that's kind of what brought me into the holistic world because it just didn't seem right to me, like you know, here's this big, healthy, strong guy that I always looked up to. And all of a sudden, he's just down on his knees. He was, you know, so weak and so sick from all the chemotherapy. And um, just watching him, like, struggle to find something that could help other than traditional medicine. And, of course, by that, it was too late. But it kind of inspired me. Like, this, this isn't, something's not right here, you know. Um, so I kind of, that's, that's where this, that's where this all started. <laughs> yeah. That was, <laughs> the, that was the seeding, which is a big seeding, right? That's a huge person in your life to have that, that, that emotional event kind of bubble up again. And, you know, here we are revisiting it. So with that, were you already on that trajectory? Let's say pre your dad's cancer diagnosis, were you already on the trajectory of going healthcare or not? I was that kid. Mom was always like, oh, Anna Marie wants to be a pediatrician. And my grandma and grandpa, she's going to be a doctor when she gets older. And, you know, so, yeah, I was kind of like on that trajectory. I always loved kids. I always thought I was going to be a pediatrician. So definitely the seed was already planted. So it's just which path was it going to go? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it kind of changed the trajectory of children too. Let me find, you know, these older patients, if you will, not just not old geriatric to the point, but just in, into the wits of the, of the world, if you will, of living that. And for, for your journey, if you will, did you struggle with anything of just trying to find yourself in formal education or did that just come easy for you or just kind of book knowledge and all that? Yeah. So not, Intelligence-wise, I was a great student, um, but losing my dad right before I got, graduated from high school, you know, I, um, 
I went to college the first time and I was like, woohoo, it's time to party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> out of town, you know, I was taking care of my little sisters and I had a younger brother. So I was just ready to be out. Um, so it didn't quite go as planned in terms of my uh, professional career mm-hmm. getting started. Um, so I wasted a good couple of years in school doing nothing other than partying. Um, and I've, I've got my, I got my crap together per se. Um, when I was pregnant with my third child, so it took me a while, it took me a while to get back on track. Um, I was all over the place. Uh, and so hence why I didn't end up going to medical school and I ended up becoming a nurse instead because it was just a bit easier of a pathway at that time when I finally decided to grow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we all have those events, you know, and I think that's what I always like to have those questions on is like, we're in a, we're in an interesting times right now, you know, for, you know, just higher education in general, you know, healthcare workers, obviously there's a, there's a need for that. People are going into the field, not as fast as it used to, but there's still people funneling into it. But for this in general, I always like to get people's take on it. Do you think formal education post high school, K through 12, is a necessity for all? Or do you think there's special people? Or do you think, what is your thoughts there? Um, I, have, I have strong opinions on that. I have three boys. They're all, my baby boy just turned 18. So um, no, I don't. And I've told all of them that because my parents, a tradition, you know, you have to go to college. And believe it, I mean, I was the first one to go to college in my family, like I said, so kind of broke that mold, but I always had it pounded in my head. That's something you have to do. And it's, I, I don't believe that at all. First of all, I don't think that we should be paying for college. I think that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but you know, you have all these kids right out of high school going into college, majoring in psychology, and then they owe a hundred thousand bucks in student loans and they end up a waiter or waitress in, in a Olive Garden. You know what I mean? So there's no real, I don't think there's a lot of people don't have a specific pathway. They just feel like they should be going to college because that's what they were told they should do. Um, and they, you know, for healthcare, yes, that's necessary. For certain professions, it's necessary. And like I said, that's what I've told my kids. If you don't have a specific profession that you're looking at that you would need to go, then don't do it. Whatever your passion is and whatever your unique gift and talent is, that's what you're going to go for. And if it's not a requirement, then so be it. My youngest is going to bullet school. So there you go a great career that didn't need a bachelor's degree and whatnot and so yeah I I don't believe that's necessary for everyone that's for sure yeah I don't think so I, I agree with that without a doubt you know I think a lot of things kind of happen in those years, you know, even just thinking on my own life, you know, what did I do? And I, I, I wanted to be in healthcare. I went a similar path of just like I knew I wanted to help people, but I was I went the paramedic route, you know, and I worked in as a community college basically to get that. And 
I had friends that went into, like you said, psychology and, you know, you probably did as well. And other people that you know that are your age now or, you know, are younger than you and doing that. And you find them later and you're like, oh, man, you know, they're, they're burdened by this immense amount of debt that they struggle to even do anything with because they can't do anything because they got a $800 student loan payment a month, you know? So it is interesting. I think we're living in a time where there, there's a point in focus where we can say, Hey, look, you don't have to do that. We, we have so much access to information that you can kind of learn a certain skill, um, outside of traditional school, if you will, academia world. Um, but with that, if somebody, well, I'm curious, you probably told your children this, your boys, uh, similar things, but I want to know for myself, if somebody's listening, we have young listeners all the time, but um, if they're listening, you know, and they don't know that path. They don't know, you know, what they want to do. You probably had, you know, some of your boys are just like, I don't know, right? I don't know. I don't want to do anything. I just want to be done with school. I don't care. Just give me a year off, two years. I'll do whatever. I'll freaking fish all the time, whatever I do, right? Right. So what did you, what do you say to those people that don't know? Well, it takes time. First of all, it takes time. I mean, for gosh sakes, when I was 20, yeah, I still had it in the back of my head that I wanted to do healthcare, but I was such a different person then than I am now. Like such a different person. So it takes time. You don't have to know what you're going to do yet. You will figure that out as you go along. As long as you have a good support system and you have a good foundation and you know, you're thinking about it and you have certain passions that will come to you. Um, obviously you have to survive in the world. So I have to do something in the meantime, but you know, a kid straight out of high school, it's, it's going to change so much unless you have this passion that you've had all your life and you just know what you want to do. And that's very rare. Um, so yeah, I, I just say, take your time and, and really hone in on what you want and what your passions and your desires are, because it's going to come to you. It's going to grow. You're going to figure that out. Don't have someone else tell you what you should do. I know. That's the thing is that that's what happens the most, right? Is that we get the, the chatter in the ear, you know, we get the, what the world's saying, the media is saying, our friends are saying, parents are saying, friends of parents, you know, whatever they're saying, everybody's asking your question. And I always, I hate this question to be honest, completely honest. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I hate that question to the T, you know, I say, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, that's a better question. Like if you, if you were to do that, right. It's title. And when do you yeah. When's the, when's that happen again? When's that, uh, I'm just waiting. I'm still waiting, you know, we grow up. When does that happen again? Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so, it's so interesting, you know, because it is a premise of a focus for a lot of young people. And I, you know, you think back your own life and my own life, it's just, I was one of the probably people like you just saying, you know, I know healthcare, right? That's what I want. But I fooled around, you know, you fooled around. I didn't take school as serious as I could have, you know, I had friends that did. And then they're like, they are physicians, right? And they're like, have no time now. And then they feel like they burnt all the time that they did have their freedom or their younger years. And they're just like, man, if I was to do this again, I wouldn't do a physician, right? Or I wouldn't do blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, how do you find yourself, you know, 10 years into this 
path and you're like, snap, this is not what I want to do. You know, so I think that pause is really important, really, really important um, to just get people to kind of reanalyze. Well, how, how do you advise your kids or even anybody to kind of find themselves at such a young age? I mean, first of all, don't listen to the the rest of the people in this world. That's my biggest thing. You know, you've got so many people telling you, oh, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to accept this and accept that. You've got to go your own path. Don't base your life on social media or, you know, who's doing what or who's the best at this or the best at that. You have to go your own way. Do your own research. Use critical thinking. Read all the books. Read sides of you know everything get yourself it'll come to you you'll know so i mean especially with my youngest and he's really i'm so proud of him because he's really found his own way and i don't know how i I mean i i hope that i had some role in that but no he's definitely doing a lot better than i was at that age so i'm glad for that um but yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing. Don't don't fall. You don't have to follow the crowd. Follow the crowd, and don't by what media is telling you. And, uh, I know, I know. It's the I had one guy, and it's it stems. I had him on a previous episode, and he spoke about contrarian principles, basically doing everything the opposite of what everyone's doing. And people would think you're crazy initially, right? They say, "What are you doing? Like we're all going this way. Why are you going that way?" Uh, but there's something with that. There's an explorational process for yourself and you get to find things that no one else is finding. You know, when you're just taking everybody at face value and taking whatever they say, oh, you're supposed to hit this goal then you hit this goal or you graduate high school, then you do blah, blah, blah. You know, then you're just looking for the signposts. But when you turn around 180 degrees and walk the other direction, there's no signposts because most people don't walk that direction. So then you, you're having to rely on other things and you typically look inside to start to find what you're saying, right? That pathway to say, this is, this is feeling right, right? This is, this is what I need to be doing. And I think that's, that's huge for you. And for when you, I guess, had, you know, your third child and you switched that, you started to find that pathway. You went to traditional, I guess, nurse pathway, right? Where you go going RN, what kind of RN were you? I did. I actually started with my associate's degree. Nice. Um, so I, I took the long way. <laughs> yeah, it's there's even a longer way, you know. So yeah, there's a longer way. Um, I started off as a patient care tech in the newborn nursery, and that's where I stayed for my entire RN career. And I had a really, really good boss, who um, she was she was like my second mom. Uh, husband was a master chief in the Navy. So I decided to join the Navy. And I went that route. I was a nurse in the Navy for eight years. Um, And just kind of worked my way up from there. I always knew I wanted to run my own practice. So I knew I was going for my nurse practitioner degree from the get go. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how it, it went. I just it was the right people, the right place, the right time. It just went like that. Um, so that's how it all started. Yeah. 
so with the Navy, I guess that's a that's a big transition, you know. I just did. You walked in. You walked into the Navy with an associates, right? I actually had my bachelor's. Oh, you had your then. bachelor's, so you went straight yeah. in as an officer. Yeah, I was able to go in as an officer, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I went to officer training school. I just remember all of us looking like, oh my gosh, those poor kids. I know, right? <laughs> I can handle that right now. I'm a grown ass woman. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, but it was a really cool path to take um, just to be able to travel and stay in healthcare and see another, another healthcare world, I guess you would say. Yeah, with that, what was the probably the most, I guess, eye-opening event? And that's another explorational aspect of just not contrarian to the way of like completely, but you're you're breaking out of your small town vibe and going mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, I mean, so it was definitely a different. I was shocked at how healthcare was provided in the military world and what systems they used. It was so archaic and. I don't know. It was just more, everything was more, more of a trauma mindset, like right now, right now, like, you know, and I I was, I was not that type of person. So of course I'm like, whoa, um, this is a little crazy, but I, I was always um, staffed like in the, in the, the easy units and I was a newborn nurse. So I really, you know, I was going to the ER or anything like that, but I, I still got to see a lot of different things. And it was just, it was just different the way the doctors and all the healthcare providers operated in the mili- in the military, as opposed to the real world. <laughs> the real world. <laughs> it was a different, a different world. Yeah, it is. Were you ever based uh, internationally? I got to go to Japan for a couple of weeks. I was in the reserve, so I wasn't full time by any means, but um, that was pretty cool. I got to go to Japan. I wanted to go to Germany, but I could never get there. I wasn't really specialized like some of the other officers. So, you know, the different uh, stations that some people would get to go to, I didn't necessarily because I didn't have that background. Japan was cool. At least I could experience that. Was that Okinawa? It was Yakuska. Okay, that's cool. That's neat. Yeah. How long did you do that for? That was for to Japan. Oh no, no, the uh, just being in the Navy Reserves. I was in, in for eight years. I got out as a lieutenant commander. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. You, you did some time there. I did. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it taught you around just I guess mindset? Anything specific? The biggest thing that that helped me with was punctuality. <laughs> <laughs> Being on time. Yeah, yeah. You get some repercussions for that. I'm telling you, punctuality and organization, those were the two biggest uh, takeaways from that. Um, but just seeing the bureaucracy of things, too, that kind of, you know, I wasn't crazy about it. That's part of the reason I didn't stay in. I'm like, all these people have so much more experience than me in everything, and they're calling me ma'am. I just didn't feel right about it. Like, no. <laughs> I'm calling you ma'am. Stop doing that. Well, I had a really good relationship with all of everyone. You know, it was just 
I don't know, it, it probably wasn't the most appropriate as far as military goes, but, um, you know, I was just that laid back person. I wasn't really down with all the, the ma'am and yes, sir. And yes, mm-hmm. ma'am. Um, so that was the toughest part, but definitely helped me with, uh, with all the punctuality and responsibilities that came along with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet. I bet. That's so wild. That's fun. Um, in your journey of just kind of, I guess, uh, going military, doing Navy, being in the reserves for a week, uh, eight years, that's a good bit, right? Um, when you exited, were you doing anything civilian initially, or how'd you get into kind of mixing with the with the pot, if you will, just civilian world? Yeah, I was already, well, since it was the reserves, I was working full-time as well, so... I had been, in that eight years, I had been through community health uh, clinics, and I worked for an endocrinologist, I worked for family health uh, practices, I had done quite a few different things as far as being a nurse practitioner, I was gaining a lot of experience civilian-wise as well, and the Navy was kind of my little side gig, my little travel that's an interesting side gig, I'd say. Right. <laughs> I choose strange side gigs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I did a lot in that eight years, and, and even afterwards, um, just really experiencing a lot of different genres of medicine and corporate medicine, per se. Um, and then I finally got to open my own practice in 2015. And so that's when things took a turn again and really for the better. I was able to do what I really wanted to do. Yeah. And how did you kind of find that? Because again, I, I, you know, I know the traditional pathway, but somebody, you know, might not know from outside looking in, you know, not in healthcare not understanding what you're, what you've found or what you're kind of offering, you know, offering forward. How did you come against, come and to find that? And then how are you kind of helping people understand what this is now? Because there, there's a lack of understanding in it even still now. So, like I said, I always knew I was going to open my own practice from the very beginning. First, it, you know, I planned to open this med spa and it was going to be great and beautiful and fancy and this and that. But when I started to see all the different genres of healthcare and just how it was provided and just all of the, um, I don't know, the treating and the diagnosing and the medicating people and, and this and that, just going through all those different, um, I don't know, Oh, what am I just trying to say? Just all the different types of medicine that you're taught in school. Um, it really opened my eyes to what needed to be done outside of the box and how healthcare should be delivered. Um, and so that brought me to really see what I wanted to do um, in terms of what I'm doing now and the holistic aspect of things. Um, and I also went back to school and got another master's degree in lifestyle medicine, uh, which is more focused on nutrition and sleep and all the lifestyle factors that can contribute to prevention instead of treating necessarily. 
Yeah, so that's kind of that was the, that was the foundation to opening my own practice into what I'm doing now. Um, because obviously, I had a whole different idea of what I was going to be doing when I opened my practice when I started out. But just seeing all the different modalities of health healthcare and how things really needed to change, that's what brought me into where I am now. Yeah. Um, and just with with that, did you did you find it initially in your training of like, oh wow, this is a, such a unique way of doing it, or did you? How did you come across this? Kind of, I guess, what I'm trying to dive into. Um, as far as the way I practice now, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I had to go outside the box. I looked for other places where I could get this information because in school, you know, they teach you the science of medicine. You get the science. Um, I started off doing hormone replacement therapy because I trained with, um, what was it, anti, I hate the word anti-aging, but an anti-aging organization. They offered a lot of really good um, training courses and just, you know, conferences and things that I would go to. And I would see all these different modalities that, I really didn't learn about in school. And then I would meet other doctors and other nurse practitioners that were doing this and people were getting amazing results in terms of their health and well-being. And again, with that second master's degree that I got, that that program was amazing. That, that was eye-opening alone. Um, so it really gave me another viewpoint on medicine in terms of, you know, science versus i mean it's still science but it's a different way of doing it yeah it's almost patient empowerment you know like versus yeah. saying take this pill let's build exactly. a job plan like let's build you a pathway that can heal exactly. you and being more of a partner rather than a authoritarian <laughs> yes yeah this or else yeah i don't that wasn't me you know, I'd rather work with someone and say, hey, this is what you should, this is what's going to help you. So let's work together on this. Yeah, it and makes just, total sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. How did you find that degree to say, like, life, what was it? Life medicine? Life Lifestyle medicine. Lifestyle mm -hmm. medicine. How did you find that? I was in California. We lived in California at the time in Loma Linda University. Um, it's one of the big universities out there near where we were. And um, I honestly, I don't remember how I found that particular program, but I was doing a lot of research to see what else can I do to augment what I already have to be able to do what I want to do differently. Um, and the, I just, I came across it, applied for it, and I got in and, and that's long story short, and second master's degree, but it was just, it was research, looking around, seeing what else I could do. I'm always looking for something else to better what I'm doing, you know, to better my and better what I'm doing. If I can't, I thought about going back to medical school and becoming a DO. I did at that point. Um, I think I was in my 30s at that time. And I was like, do I really want to add on more student loans to what I already have? to that magnitude. Um, and so that's just, that's why I decided to go that route instead, kind of augmenting what I already had. Um, 
I love that. That's what I've always found in the people I've had on the show and kind of talked with is this, this uh, I guess you can say it's not overzealous, but this eagerness to kind of continue learning. And that's what I've always kind of seen is like the traditional fundamental characteristic of what defines somebody's entrepreneurial success, leadership success or, you know, innovational success is that they have this almost hunger to for more for knowledge right they don't stop learning and it's not in like a way of saying like you got to go back to formal school to get to learn but they're always like what's out there what's next best like what's happening keeping a almost like a finger on the pulse to kind of see what's what's happening in the world and how can i kind of better position and strategically advantage myself in that way was that innate to you or was that something you saw or taught through someone else? No, that was definitely an innate. <laughs> I think my brother was the same way. He's got a couple of master's degrees himself. But um, yeah, it's, it's in the blood, I guess. Um, because I'm still, to this day, what else can I do? What other degree can I get? So I have to slow it down sometimes. Yeah, yeah. My husband's like, no, what are you doing? You don't need an MBA. Just, you already run a business. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm looking for something else. I know, Always. I know. I get that, too, and I understand that to point it, and that's like the double-sided sword there is like, you know, it's good to have. But then when can you just say, like, I have enough knowledge right now to just start implementing it? You know, it's saying like, there's people that get stuck on that little edge right there, right? And saying, let me get, like, you, you have a business right now. But there's people that say, well, I got a master's, but I don't have an MBA. I can't start a business till I get that MBA because there's probably something I'm going to learn in that MBA that I just don't know yet. So how do you encourage people to take that step when things aren't ready? completely perfect if you will so as far as opening a business anything yeah taking taking risks starting business going and doing something bold that's like you know the planners right the ifers or the doers what if it's not just not ready yet and then the ones that just take action oh my gosh you can't you you can't plan there's no you can to some extent but if you sit there and you keep thinking about it and what else should i do to prepare you will never do it that's the best advice I can give. You have to just do it. Um, you know, and obviously if you're a healthcare provider and you're, you're in charge of someone's life, you don't just jump in as a newbie, obviously. Um, you know, it takes some preparation, but that's, that's where all of the experience comes into play. Um, so as far as that goes, experience is important, but business wise, you just, you have to do it. You just do it and you learn as you go and you're going to fail, but you correct yourself from those fails. You learn from your mistakes. Um, that's the best advice I can give. And that's how I did it. That's how I've done it. And it's only improved. Um, you know, you can't, there's no cookie cutter way to do it. There's no magical formula you know, you've got all these people out there making millions of dollars, giving people business advice and coaching. And I'm like, that's why they're millionaires. Because mm -hmm, that's it. When in reality, you have to do it your own way and you just have to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to be said by just doing 
and I think a lot of people wait for 100% to happen, right? Um, all right, once I, I got my business plan, I got my business name, I got my location, I'm already paying rent, I got my equipment, I got, it's like, bro, you don't have an income coming at all. <laughs> you have expenses, and you haven't even started treating anybody or talking to anybody, serving anybody, you know? It's, it's to the point where I think it's almost better to just try to find a client or a customer or a patient then solve the problem for that person before trying to build the business then find the people like you'll spend so much more money that way i remember when i started off i was looking for all these different advertising modalities well should i get a billboard should i put an ad in this magazine and oh my gosh what a waste of money what a waste my biggest my most Loyal clientele came from a Facebook contest that I did. Oh, wow. Back in 2015, and I still see those patients today. They travel from Colorado to see me. I mean, word of mouth, and it just it's just so much easier than what we make it. You make it too complicated, and, and it's just going to be complicated. You know, so it, I don't know. And you've got to have a personality for it too, I guess. You know, you can't, eh, you know, you have to be a, a personable in this field, of course. So it's not for everybody, but hmm, it's not as complicated as it seems. Yeah. Do you think the, I don't know how to say this. Do you think the, I guess I'm going to say it, the world, do you think the world is just kind of pushing people to not do this? To not be an entrepreneur, to not, do you think there's just conditioning in the place of saying, hey, look, uh, we need you as an employee versus. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk for hours about that. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's kind of what's happening a little bit? Do you think it's kind of pushed it a little bit more? That's obvious. You, you know, you get into the whole public school system conversation and you can see that happening um but yeah I, I mean obviously you know you want a certain number of the higher ups and then you have all the little worker people mm -hmm. yeah it, yeah i think, I think that yeah go ahead sorry yeah you were saying no. what I don't want to get into that discussion too much. I might get a little. <laughs> okay, no, it's no, it's no problem. We won't. I'm just curious again. Like I think to say there, there is a component of it, and I think there's why there's like this deconditioning, if you will. And that's what I like to say in this, you know, this podcast is just kind of the art of mindset is that you're just trying to refine yourself of who really is there underneath the layers and layers layers that's been conditioned upon you just due to social economical statuses or social influence or struggles education any of the things but i think the first thing is a step in that direction is bringing awareness to it that 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 exists so that you may say okay if that is the case then how can I help other people identify that that is the case within themselves? Not that it even matters that it's helping happening to other people, but just for themselves. How do I say, okay, I have been conditioned to a point, right? We can't say, you won't, we won't go to the extremes of it all, but 
we'll just say there is some manipulation, right, in that regard. How do we kind of help people identify that? Maybe that's something intrinsic for you, but how have you helped? Because I know education is something that you want to kind of step into next, which is kind of helping people identify that. So how do we help people identify their potential inside when they just feel as if they have none? I mean, just by letting them know what you've gone through and what your struggles have been and, you know, the only way to do it is to get the word out. I mean, where you can. I think I've, I think I've helped quite a few people in my same peer group too, because a lot of people are like, how did you do this? You know, I've, I've been doing this for so long and I'm so scared. And I'm like, why? Just, I told a friend the other day, she's one of my really good friends from back in my patient care tech days. And, you know, she's trying her best. She's gotten her master's degree. She's a nurse practitioner now. And she's like, I just want to help people. I want to do this and that. And I'm like, then Dan, just do the shit. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> do it. Stop hold you down just because you work for this hospital right now and you know you're you feel you're restricted. That doesn't mean you can't go and do your own thing. You know, you've got the tools, you've got the knowledge, just do it. Nobody's stopping you. Yeah. I mean, I know as nurse practitioners specifically, I can speak on the fact that a lot of people don't know what we do. And you also have pushback by physicians, unfortunately, that aren't crazy about us running our own practices. And, you know, we don't have enough education and this and that. So that's definitely a setback for people like me this specific profession so you know just you can't let that hold you back there's going to be someone that says something or has a problem with what you're doing can't let that set you back yeah i think the biggest thing for that that kind of always like flips that and i think that that process of itself of just identifying that and saying you know there's going to be people that are going to say you can't do that like, you just, no, you can't. Like, I'm not talking illegal stuff, but per se, just, just the nurse practitioner route. And say, no, you don't have enough formal education, you need more, you can't do that, you shouldn't be able to see patients and write prescriptions, blah, 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 without a physician oversight, you know? But you're always going to have those people, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your business is, no matter what you're saying. So if you feel as if you need to then listen to those people that are saying those things, you might need to start to look inside a little bit and say, do I have a people-pleasing problem? Right? Do I feel as if I need to please everybody to say, hey, look, I'm qualified enough to do it now. Can I get your approval to do it? Um, versus what you're saying, take that action, take that step. And then when you run into that first hurdle, right, and it says, okay, maybe I do need this license or this certificate to overcome this, then you do it and you get it and you move on. But when you have a person or a body of people, it's just not who your audience is. It's just not who you're trying to help. So who cares? In one ear, out the other. So it's, uh, it's something that really, I guess, drives a lot of passion in me and just helping people kind of understanding who their potential is 
and, and what they can do in this world. Um, so for you in this and what you're doing now, people might not know, community health are not really, you're like a community health, but you're really a concierge, you know, practitioner in a, in a way provider. What is that? How would you explain that to somebody that does not know anything about that? So it's a model of care outside of the traditional insurance um, model where you pay a membership monthly, you have primary care services, um, unlimited services, unlimited visits. This is my specific model anyways. Uh, you have access to telemedicine visits, um, urgent care visits, typical annual physicals, and it's all under this membership that they pay monthly at a different cost. Um, and that gets them time because that's something you don't have in a traditional model where you go to a certain clinic and you have 15 minutes and you can address one issue and you're in and out and that's it. This is more of a personal model of care. And obviously the way I practice with my whole um, lifestyle medicine focus and more prevention, I spend a lot of time with my patients. Um, and again, proactive rather than reactive medicine. Um, and so the whole model is based on affordability and personal care and accessible care. So with that being said, I can't, I'm not focused on volume of patients, but quality of the care that I'm providing to the patients that I have. Um, and so it's just another, and a lot of people, a lot of people are doing it now, but, um, you know, it's very unique in the quality, the type of care you're providing as well. Like you can, there are people doing it that, you know, still focus on traditional health care, but just the way that I'm doing things, it, it just provides a, a more personal approach. Um, so that's the primary care model. And then, of course, um, as a uh, trickle down to that, I have hormone replacement that I offer and um, different preventive lifestyle um, programs and a little tiny bit of aesthetics, not too much, but just to kind of provide a comprehensive approach to wellness and to making people feel better about themselves and within and without. Um, so it's just a really comprehensive approach and I'm really focused on quality, not trying to become a millionaire by bringing in a hundred patients a day and getting them in and it's possible. I'm just not doing that. So um, yeah, it's, it's a really good method of practice. I think it's brought me a lot of really good people that I've helped. I feel like I've helped a lot. Um, and I think people appreciate that level of care and the time that you give in this type of practice because that's not something they typically get. Yeah. Do people, do you see people, and I don't know, I wouldn't advise it as just from what I know, you know, um, from healthcare, masters in health science, all the things, but 
do you see people taking taking your concierge care and replacing all the care altogether their health care? Do you see them having like a high deductible catastrophic health care plan and then yeah. seeing you? Absolutely. Yeah, they do. Um, because a lot of people have the high deductible plans anyways. They don't have access to that great insurance that pays for everything. Um, so I have a lot of people that do that. And they feel like they get more out of this than they would get out of an insurance-based practice anyway. Oh, yeah. So, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I uh, I found it fascinating. So, like, well, for my situation, I, I studied public health and, you know, policy law for healthcare and Medicare, you know, federal federally funded as well as, you know, privately funded. And once I stumbled across concierge healthcare, I was like, holy moly, you know, this was, how long ago was that? Five years ago when I first found it. And I was I started looking for around for them, you know, they're popping up a lot more than they were. Um, but there is, I think, a huge opportunity where people are getting to say, you know, I'm tired of my physician or not my, not my physician, my, my doctor's office, you know, might even not even see the same physician every time. So you don't know the physician is the physician of the day. Um, and I'm tired of them not knowing anything about me. Uh, they're telling me that I'm crazy, that I should not be feeling this kind of way, though I'm stating that I feel, you know, funny. And they're like, well, maybe use your blood pressure medicine or your diet, blah, 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 blah. you're just moving right along. They don't know the ins and outs, right? Versus concierge medicine, probably your practice as well, is where you're starting to know, you know, their names, their children's names, maybe their grandkids, you know, what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, you know, and that that's starting to hit a lot more personal. And I think people are looking for that in life a lot more now because they just feel as if they've just been, you know, oh, I don't know, go see this specialist. No, I don't know. Go see this guy or this girl, you know, and just passed down and not really given answers. And I think that's kind of where I see things going. Where do you see this this path or this traditional model, if you will, start to be um, battled, if you will, or overcame by non-traditional pathways? Where do you see that kind of happening or how do you see that happening or do you see it happening? Yeah, I mean, I do. I I know that there are a lot more providers doing this now. Um, I mean, you can see it in volumes when you, like when I go to conferences and when I see other providers in my area advertising, I'm like, yeah, wow, this, you know, it's really becoming popular. I mean, I think people are opening their eyes to what else is out there and a lot of doctors and nurse practitioners, all healthcare providers are recognizing, hey, I'm not getting this in my traditional um, educational program and I should be doing something else. I should be helping in other ways. So I think it's definitely gotten more popular. You're gonna have the, you're still gonna have traditional medicine out there. It's not gonna go anywhere. That's how the system is built. That's the way it is. You know, you're gonna have insurance companies, you're gonna have big pharma, um, and that's the way it is. But I definitely think this has become more popular, more mainstream. Um, people don't look at us as 
the whack jobs that are, you know, going outside the box anymore. Um, I mean, you still got those out there too, but um, it, it's definitely become more mainstream, definitely more popular, which is good because you can, as a one provider, you can only help so many people and still provide that personal care. So it's good that there are others out there doing the same thing because I can't see everybody. I would like to. Um, so that's a good thing, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely getting uh, more popularity so it's a good thing that is good that is good and I, I we're getting we're getting close to the end of the show but I always like to kind of say you know I, I think there's enough pessimism in the world that we don't really need to spread that anymore so I always like to say you know what are you most optimistic about for the future for you uh, for your business for your family for anything in this world what do you what, what excites you about the future? I mean, just being able to help as many people as possible and, you know, really make a difference for people. Again, I know that sounds cliche, but I love helping people. That's what I'm doing this for. And it's so satisfying when I have someone that, you know, they've had a total life change because of something I've done or helped them with, you know, even if it's just one or two people that I can do that for, that's amazing. Um, you know, and just being able to continue to do this, grow even more if I can and, um, you know, and to get the word out a little bit more. I'm not really good at, <laughs> I'm not the biggest social, I'm trying to do my social media and, you know, just really getting myself out there and trying to, if anything, spread some type of message. Um, but that's my goal in the future to kind of get better at that. Because I have so much to say to help people. I love it. I love yeah. it. That's so exciting. If someone was to try to learn more about maybe misconcierge medicine, maybe it's uh, non-traditional healthcare pathways, maybe it's wellness, maybe it's lifestyle medicine, what would you recommend they consume for those things, any podcasts or books or any of that stuff kind of come to top of mind for saying like, this does a really good job explaining lifestyle medicine per se. Lifestyle medicine, there's a, they have a website at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that you can go to. There's a lot of great patient resources, um, provider resources as well for providers that don't know anything about it and may want to delve into it. They've got a really great um, a website for that. Um, one of the doctors that I follow, Dr. Michael Greger, is amazing. He's one of the pioneers in lifestyle medicine. I get, I'm going to a conference in Denver in October, and he'll be speaking there, so that's going to be cool. Um, but yeah, um, there's a lot of other resources out there. The Blue Zones, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. Um, that's all part of the lifestyle medicine genre. So, um, there's some really good resources. I mean, there's so much information yeah. out there. Yeah, there is. I think with that, I like that website. Uh, again, I'll put that in the show notes for those that didn't get that, you know, so you can find, so you can find that and access that. Um, but I think that is absolutely fascinating and lifestyle medicine is something that is not talked about enough. And I think there's a, there's a big focus on that that needs to be brought to attention uh, because people need to start 
it's sad. I'm going to say it's sad that in, in our traditional model, a patient has to advocate for themselves more than their physician does. You know, that should not be the case. Uh, a patient should not be expected to know that certain medications interact with others, that there's pre, pre, uh, pre or comorbidities that interact with that, you know, side effects that affect that, you know, outside of just changing certain matters of yourself, taking a pill that chemically alters other aspects of yourself and not thinking that there could be uh, a, a, a cause there, a correlation to there. Um, and so here we are, it's going right back to it, you know, physicians saying that nurse practitioners don't have enough patient knowledge to be able to, or science, a formal education in order to do this. But here we are now requiring a person that has no educational matter in healthcare or patient science, anatomy, physiology, you know, pathophysiology, pharmacokinetics, all these big medical terminologies, right? Has none, and they have to now go on Google, pull bad research, <laughs> WebMD themselves, walk in with cancer, thinking everything's always cancer, right? Uh, or some bad disease or disorder or autoimmune issue. And here we are, it's like, oh, you just you need to stop eating this and you need to start sleeping more and you need to start working out a little bit better. And it's like, boom, like, wow. <laughs> you know, and that, that starts to empower the patient. So, Anna, this conversation has been incredible and I've really, really enjoyed this and getting to dive into your mind and what you've overcome and what you've done in this. Uh, I like to always close with one specific question. And it's basically, if you were to tell any, uh, say a young person, we'll say a young person at this time, it's like a young person. And you, we, we talked on this a little bit already, but what would you say to them in their journey you know, graduate high school, maybe they're in college, maybe they're young 20s, what would you say to them to kind of just help them along the way of advice? Don't follow the crowd. Do your thing. Don't feel like you have to rush into anything. Take your time. Time is precious. Take your time to figure it out. Don't do something because someone else told you that's what you should do. You have to go with your own feelings, your passion, and you'll make it. You'll get there. I mean, that's the best advice I can give. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's real true. It's very true. So, well, Anna, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting and uh, getting to kind of explore your mind. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's this episode of The Art of Mindset with your host, Brian LeSage. If you're looking for more information on Dr. Anna Marie Douglas, please head over to hummingbirdhealthflorida.com and you'll find a lot of information about her services and all the sorts. Uh, everything you can find as well and you're curious to know more about her is going to be found in the show notes at the bottom of the show, as well as you can find this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts where you can click see more about this show. As always, feel free to reach out. You can reach out to me and send questions and uh, find yourself potentially on this show as a guest if you're interested by emailing me at hello at brianlesage.com. This is a great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I sure did. We'll see you on the next one.